The issue isn't really one of straight talk. It's about a straight line path to succeeding. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates coming to you from Bradenton, Florida, where the team will take to the field today for the first time and have a formal workout that'll happen at Lecom Park. I'm looking forward to being back there. I'm looking forward to actual baseball. I'm looking forward to the 2022 season. I'm not looking forward to more vague stuff, specifically vague timelines and vague declarations. And I'm not going to pin those on Bob Nutting, although he does the same thing and everything starts at the top. Because when you get to field level, and that's where things are beginning today, the people who are running the baseball team and the baseball operations need to be doing so with real, concrete objectives. Oh, and also real, concrete accountability. I like Ben Charrington. I've made no secret of that. I respect what he's achieved in his other positions, particularly in Boston, winning a championship. And I greatly admire some of the maneuvers he's engineered to get this team's farm system up to, they're not elite, but they're climbing that ladder. They're easily top five, universally top five. I also admire that he's stuck to his guns in some situations where his predecessor might not have. But yesterday, when Charrington was asked here if he could discuss the Pirates' yes vote on the collective bargaining agreement, which of course wasn't executed by him, but by nutting, as well as how this new labor agreement might impact the Pirates, this was Charrington's full response. Well, you know, first and foremost, we're we really are excited to be back here and, and on the field, and it's it's important for the game, for our fans, and and but also for the Pirates to be back uh, playing baseball. We've got to be on the field playing games to get better. We got to be on the field and playing games uh, to be able to engage with our fans. Um, so we're really happy about that, and, uh, and 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 that's important. And I think Bob uh, recognizes that's important, and wants uh, what's best for the game globally um, and wants what's best for the Pirates and he um, you know he's been a really strong advocate for Pittsburgh for teams like Pittsburgh uh, as far as what uh, will give us and teams like us the best chance to succeed and prosper and he has fought hard for those issues and will continue to fight hard Um, but we're thankful to be back you know on the field excited to uh, get back to work and um, nothing's nothing changes as far as like what we need to do to build a winning team it's all the same stuff we've talked about before and uh, respect the fact that there were you know a lot of a lot of smart people in that room who worked really hard to figure out a way to get it done and 
get us 162 games this year, and um, that probably wasn't always obviously going to happen. And the fact that we're going to play 162 is a uh, important and good step for all of us. I learned nothing from that answer, not one thing. And I understand that what he's saying is true, that this labor agreement doesn't change how the Pirates do business when it comes to baseball. That's obvious. But come on, man. Come on. Give us something. Give us something. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. What do I mean by give us something? What would I have wanted to hear? Well, that's always a little bit of a slippery slope. You don't like putting words in other people's mouths. But, but, he's a guy with a really important position as it relates to the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. So, he's asked a question. He answered it. He can be judged on it. I would have wanted to hear some Pittsburgh-style defiance. Listen, we know what this situation is. We knew it wasn't going to change. We know that things are stacked against us the way this sport is structured. We've all known that. You know who else knows that? The Reds, who are selling off pieces right now. The Brewers, who are run really admirably, but never quite get across the line. Maybe more than anyone, the Rays, who have come up with the ultimate way to beat this system. Not to be part of it, not to succeed within it, but to beat it. And even they don't make it all the way. We know all this. We know all this. We've been aligning everything here in the Pittsburgh organization a certain way to do something similar, to beat the system. It won't be the Tampa Bay way. It won't be the Milwaukee way. It won't be the Cincinnati way. It's going to be the Pittsburgh way. And we've got a lot of talent coming up. We believe in that talent. We believe in our ability to procure more talent. And then once we do, to develop it, nurture it, get it to Pittsburgh, and maximize it once it's there. If and when we do that, and again, we believe that we will, we'll have a 26-man roster, half of which, reasonably, will be comprised of players who are pre-arbitration, which means they'll make either at or close to major league minimum. Why? Not just out of frugality, but also because we're going to be built on a younger set of players. Always. We have to be. And as a result, the farm system has to keep getting stocked and restocked and restocked. So if half of our players are making major league minimum, let's throw another hmm, six or seven of them in the arbitration level where, you know, you're getting around six, seven, eight million each. 
And then from there, a handful, a handful of free agents. They don't even have to be outside free agents. They can be our own guys. They can be Brian Reynolds, who we sign with a long-term extension. And he ends up making the bigger money at the end. And what would have been his free agent years were in a normal situation. He would have gone off and played somewhere else. We can do the same thing with Brian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz and Ronzi Contreras. Maybe Mitch Keller if he comes around. All of that fits in the Pittsburgh-sized budget. And if those players are as good as we believe that they will be, we can compete for a World Series. How about that? How about that? How about saying that? Because you know what? Not a syllable that I just spoke was a lie, a distortion, or anything that could come back to bite me as the GM of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm speaking as the leader of this organization. This is what I believe. This is what we believe. And what we're aiming for is to win a championship. Not all that hard, is it? When we come back, just one question. Chris Roulette, who asks, DK, totally off topic here, in comparing this year's Pirates team to the 2011 team, I think I had more reasons to be optimistic going into the 2011 season, meaning the nucleus of Kutch, Neil Walker, Pedro Alvarez, in my opinion, more proven pitching staff, than I do going into this season. I use the 2011 team as a point of comparison to this year's team as it had come off a 100-plus loss season in 2010, just as the 2021 Pirates did. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I'm not in a position, Chris, to agree or disagree with how you feel. But I could look back at 2011, which, for anyone who's forgotten, was also Clint Hurdle's first year. So there was a, a bit of a fresh start. Hurdle was a great public speaker, speaking of the stuff that I brought up in the opening segment. He was the one who used phrases like uh, rebond the team with its city and things like that that ended up really coming to pass just a couple of years later with the blackout game. But if you're getting into a hard comparison of 2011 and 2022 from the hope perspective, which is what it sounds like you're focusing on as opposed to what kind of veterans they might have had or not have had. Um, you know, that team was still weeding off the, you know, Jack Wilson, Freddie Sanchez infield, and, and those guys could very clearly play. This team doesn't have those types. Uh, not even like a couple. So probably the way that I'd assess it from my own point of view would be hope in the form of prospects who are close to Pittsburgh, which means I'd also feel comfortable counting O'Neill Cruz 
Rowanzi Contreras and those guys into the mix. I'm inclined to agree with you at the moment, and maybe only at the moment, because we all had started to see what Andrew McCutcheon was going to be. We had very high hopes, and partly because he's the local kid and super affable and everything else, for Walker and for Pedro. And even though those ended up being largely unrealized, especially on the latter front, that's what existed at the time. And right now you're looking at, I guess you could kind of throw Brian Reynolds into the Kutch category if you're looking for comparison points. And maybe you could look at uh, Brian Hayes as the high ceiling prospect guy, the way you thought of Pedro, even though they aren't similar players at all. But I also want to remind that where 2011 is concerned, that most of what happened between 2011 and the blackout game had nothing to do with anything being built internally. That's the greatest and most common misnomer that I hear from Pirates fans is that somehow that Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark had built up this farm system that made it and brought baseball back to Pittsburgh. That's not at all what happened. Most of these players, certainly Kutch and Walker, Tony Watson, Jared Hughes, Starling Marte, these were all Dave Littlefield acquisitions. They were inherited by Huntington. Huntington had some outstanding people at his pro scouting level who identified trade targets, free agent targets. A.J. Burnett, Russell Martin, Jason Grilly, Michael McHenry. These were all players that came in from the outside. Francisco Liriano. Most, not all, but most of the biggest names on that blackout team were outsiders, were people that were brought in. And it wasn't until Huntington lost those individuals in pro scouting that things really started to crumble again for the Pirates, and it became very clear and exposed to all that the minor league system wasn't really doing anything under his watch and that of Stark. So, yeah, that's probably a more convoluted answer than you were seeking, but that's what I've got for you. Uh, let's see if things crystallize a little bit more this year. Uh, at the Pittsburgh level, or even at the Pittsburgh slash Indianapolis level, where you can see more of what's forming and see it with your own eyes. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We will do another one from here in Bradenton tomorrow. Tomorrow.